We're in uh, Hebrews chapter 4. Did I say 5 earlier? Oh, he, Hebrews 4. We have to finish up. We'll get into 5 a little bit. I don't know exactly. This is one of those Sundays I'm not exactly sure. Let's ask God's uh, blessing on, on the word. Father, we would see Jesus. Help us to focus on what's being said. Spirit of God, come among us and quicken hearts and minds to receive what you have for us here this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let us, uh, let's kind of back up a verse. We started in verse 12, very famous verse. Let's kind of back up a verse, verse 11. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Um, and I talked last week. Are you surprised to find that verse there? We are talking. Okay, make sure you enter into the rest. There's a rest for the people of God. Don't miss that rest. You've got to enter into that rest. When we're talking about the rest. There's probably, I think, five different ways that I counted that the word rest is used there. None of them means goof off. <laughs> but, you know, it, it talked about God, like, you know, on the seventh day he, he rested. Uh, it was talking about the people of, uh, you know, out in the wilderness. They came out of uh, Egypt. But they didn't enter into the rest. They didn't enter into the rest of God. And God was very upset with them. And we talked about, and we used a, a couple of illustrations. Listen, if you're working for salvation, that's, I was going to say immoral. It's wrong. It's scripturally wrong. I'll just, let me just say, put it that way. And let me walk back immoral. It's scripturally inept. Jesus has done everything to secure our eternity with God. Are you working trying to earn favor with God? I, I would say you give up on it. That's a foolish proposition. The scripture knows nothing of that. America knows everything of that. I talk to people all the time, you know, about eternal things, and they say, oh, I'm a good person, i.e., I'm going to heaven. If there be such a place, and if there be such a being called God, I'm good enough to get, uh, uh, you know, come back as a, as a you know, higher life form or ascended master or enter nirvana or whatever it is, whatever the reward is, I'm, I'm a good person. And then what they're talking about is I've earned the next whatever. What are you talking about? The Bible doesn't know anything. Because we say this all the time. You, know, you think you're going to stand in front of God, He's going to weigh it all out. You did some good, you did some bad. Oh, look at all this bad. Look at this very scant amount of good. Now, I'm sorry, you don't cut the mustard. If, if that were the case, God would be lonely in heaven because He would be the only occupier of it, okay? That's not the way it works at all. Jesus Christ did the work. He earned our salvation. Don't you fail to enter into that rest he's talking about. And now he's talking about rest and rest and rest and rest. For the word of God is it's, it's alive, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And you're thinking like, why is that verse there? Is anyone else think that? Do you, you, you know, very famous verses that we all quote and we talk about all the time. You know, in the stream of where, they, where they're found in Scripture, it's, it's kind of surprising to me sometimes. This one, not so much, though. This one, not so much. Do you know why all of a sudden, you know, we're talking about rest, now all of a sudden we're talking about the Word of God? We're looking at the Hebrews. Now remember this, okay? There are people who are determined 
They come to a, fa- a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And then they meet with persecution. The Hebrew Christians. It's written to the Hebrews. The Hebrew Christians. And then there's this big, okay, this family pushback. Anyone here ever experienced anything like that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we know a little bit about that, right? Uh, yeah, then there's just general persecution. And then the argument is made, look, we got Moses. We have the temple. We have the Torah. We have the high priest. We have the altar of incense. We have, and you're just turning your back on all of that? Are you serious? To, for this what? Yeshua, this itinerant teacher from Galilee? Galilee! Nazareth! Are you kidding me? And there's strong opposition. And some of these people are faltering in their determination to follow through and, and pursue the things of the Lord. Now, now, we don't have the same Jewish opposition. Or we don't have a temple. We don't have high priests, but we, we know what it is. Because, listen, listen, I can name, uh, if I have a good memory, I can name person after person after person after person after person after person after person who one time walked with the Lord and now doesn't. And you're saying, big deal, so can I. That's my point. That's entirely my point. What happened? Well, one by one, Satan picked them off. One by one, they let the things slip. Remember how this started out. Don't let these things slip in um, verse, in chapter 2 verse 1, therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. What do you do, have to, have to, what do, you do to maintain a relationship with Jesus Christ? Well, you have to maintain. What do you do to not maintain? You just, nothing. You, you do nothing, and your relationship with Jesus Christ slips away. And you're one of the also-rans. You're one of the many, the myriad, the, the very, very many. And later on, we'll try to reach you with the gospel, and you'll say something really crazy, Silly, like, oh, I tried that. This thing on the recording, this won't come out. (laughs) I try, we don't try that. You give your life to Jesus Christ, you say, save me, I'm a wretched sinner. We looked at this uh, Wednesday night, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit. For they're the only ones who go to heaven. Uh, You know it better as blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. It's called emphatic. Theirs and theirs alone is the kingdom of God. In other words, blessed are the spiritually bankrupt. They're the only ones who make heaven. So as spiritual bankrupt people, we come because we don't have anything to offer to God on our own. And we come and we beg because we're beggar poor, that poor spiritually. We don't have any resource our own. We come and we say, Lord, save me. Does that sound like trying religion? That sounds like a desperate, please save me. So what happens in a situation like that? Does anyone know? Everyone here who's born again knows. The Spirit of God comes and He invades our heart and our life and He changes us from an old being to a new being. If any man in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. Does anyone experience that besides me? We've all experienced that. And if you're saying, like, I have no, I have no idea what you're talking about, it's because you're not born again. I, and I'm not putting you down. You're welcome here. I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to uh, you know, rain on your parade. But if you haven't been made a new creation in Christ, it's because you're not a new creation in Christ because you never asked Christ in your heart. That's not trying religion. That's getting saved to the, to the, to the nth degree. He, he changes us. Now, having been changed, is there, is there a siren call back into the world? Oh, yeah. Have you noticed this? And the default button I wish he gives us a, a new heart. He can't resurrect that heart. That's sinfully deceitful, wicked above all else. Who can know it, right? 
but I wish he, he gave us a whole new, he, you know what happens a lot of time, we, uh, the default button set on flesh. And if we don't do something to maintain, we slip back into the old way. Now, I, I, but I'm kind of getting away from this a little bit. The word of God is quick and powerful. It's, it, it's, it, it, it'll do what you need it to do. He's made all these arguments so far by quoting scripture. You, you, Moses, Mo, Moses, really? Okay, Moses is a great guy. We're not talking about Moses. We're talking about Jesus, the creator. He came to, he came to the earth in human flesh. And he's, uh, Moses, really? Angels. Oh, my goodness. You think angels or something? How about the creator of the angels? And he's used the word of God time and time and time and time again to make his point. Hey, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Enter into this rest. And he uses a scripture. He, he shows uh, through the ones who didn't enter the rest. So he's using scripture on scripture on scripture on scripture on scripture to make his point. And now you're thinking like, what is this guy? Is he some like married to the Bible or something? Yeah, uh, we all are. That's, that's the, you know why? Because the word of God, and this is the word of God, it presupposes, it doesn't defend that it is, it just presupposes. Prove that it's not. And by the way, if anyone with even a modicum of, I'm open. I'm open to the possibility this might be the word of God. You'll find that it is. If you go at it, who wrote the Bible? There's a bunch of nomads and wrote on these goat skins. And, uh, yeah, whatever. I heard all those silly arguments. None of them hold water. I always ask, well, how do these herdsmen who ride on goatskins, how do they know the future before it happens? There's plenty of argumentation. I mean, if you really want to open your heart and open your mind, there's plenty of argumentation. This is the word of God. Listen, I'm just going to tell you this, just from my heart of hearts. I'm going to appeal to you on an emotional level. I really am. You can trust this. It's never going to leave you shamefaced. So I'm watching uh, the Genesis Science Network this morning. The Bible is the best science. It's not a science textbook, thank God. We, it hasn't changed since it's been written. Science textbooks change every five or ten years when they discover new stuff. The Bible hasn't changed. And when it, it's not a science textbook. When it talks about science, it doesn't ever have to change it. It doesn't have to, oh, we found this new thing, and now we know that the Bible is wrong. If you start with the Bible is the Word of God, you're never going to be shamefaced. You're never going to put yourself... People have these argumentation, but it's wrong. Okay, and if you look at the, at the facts and the data and stuff like that, you'll see it's wrong, and it's easily provable that it's wrong. But nobody. I don't know how many critics there have been over the years. You know, we're going to bury the Bible. We're going to show it's an arcane fairy tale. And the Bible rises out of the ashes to be the pallbearer of the would-be assassins of Scripture. Only always. I mean, it's, it's almost laughable. Well, how, why is that? Because the Bible's living. It's, it's, when it says the, the word of God is quick, uh, you know, King James, quick. The quick and the dead. No. Living, okay? The word of God is living. Does the word of God give life? Yeah. Is it living? Yeah. I don't, I don't know how else to say it. Word of God is living and it's powerful. Well, it is too. You know, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. Why is that? Because it's powerful. 
I have cut to pieces people who don't believe in the Word of God, with the Word of God. <laughs> I don't believe in that. You know, why are you lying there bleeding then? And I don't mean that in a way like a, a figure of speech. Okay, allow me that, right? This whole thing's a figure of speech. Um, you, you don't have to uh, believe in the Word of God to be affected by its power. I mean, I want to agree with what God's saying, to be sure. But I've seen, I've seen it have its effect on people who just one minute telling me, I don't believe in any of that stuff. Why are you crying? Why are you, all, why are you violently upset and opposing me? I mean, if it's just the fairy stories, why are you getting so hot under the collar anyway? No, it's powerful. It's the Word of God. It's powerful. It is awesome powerful. Look, hey, it took me, a, a wretched sinner, and made me into a, a child of God forever. Well, how did that happen, Adam? The gospel of Jesus Christ. The Word of God, it's living. It's powerful. And I, I say it's sharper than to it, so it's all edge. It's all, that's why I say, you know, it's not a dainty little scalpel, okay? I'm going to perform some surgery on your cancer. I wouldn't be so arrogant. I will teach the Word of God. I feel like that's what I'm called to do. If you're caught up, hey, look, that's the Word of God. I always say this, you know, if, if I'm stepping on your toes, you probably need to move your toes. I'm not going to apologize for the Word of God. You know what's the funniest thing? Uh, I'll I tell you this. Uh, people say, like, you know, uh, my wife told you to say all that. I don't even know who your wife is, dude. You know, kind of. I've had people come in and say to me, you know, like, uh, you know, how come you know this much and this and that? Like, like, because your mother faxed me your photo and says, this guy shows up, teach this. Really? The Word of God is powerful. It's, it's spirit-driven. It's, 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 it's way beyond anything I can control. It's, you know how uh, living is, I, I, I use this illustration because uh, I've heard this several times now in, in, a, in a small amount of time, and I've been thinking about it. I remember Joe Foes telling me he's teaching Jewish dietary laws, and at the end of it, people come up and want to get saved. This is what kosher looks like. I need Jesus in my life, you know. Who does that? The, well, the Bible can do that. Now, you can have a presentation of the gospel, and somebody gets saved, and you'd almost expect that would happen. Or you can just, it doesn't, it doesn't work like you want it to work. It's, it's, it, it's a lion. Just let the lion loose. It goes in places you can't even imagine. It's, it's because God's not, he, he does what he wants to do. He's God. He's the sovereign of the universe. And his word can do what he wants it to do. He says, you know, when, my word, you know, it's kind of like this. You know, as the rain goes forth and it waters the earth, it doesn't come back to me void. It, it, it accomplishes the purpose that I send out for. That's why my word is. I, I send it out and it does what I want it to do. Hallelujah. Praise God. Because I can't do that. I can't change anyone's mind. I can't change anyone's heart. I don't try. Uh, God, do, do what you want to do. I mean, I'm not indifferent. I'm just not the Holy Spirit. I'm not indifferent to somebody's salvation. I just understand I can't save. But the Word of God and the Spirit of God, okay, you understand. But it's a, it's a two-edged sword. So I'm not doing this with a dainty little surgery. I'm getting as cut as cutting. That's how it works. I, I've said this before, and I think I even said it last week when we were talking about this. Uh, I've, I've, I've given like, if I were to give an altar call, I'd be the first one there. Because when I'm talking to you about this and this and this, the Bible's affecting me the same way it affects you. I'm not, the messenger isn't above the message. So I'm giving you this word because I'm already here. Not really. I'm like you. I'm struggling with the same things you struggle with, and I'm growing like you're growing. And the word of God has this effect on me, 
And by the way, probably a lot more because I'm, you know, I'm with it all week long thinking about what I'm going to say and stuff and the Holy Spirit has many opportunities to torture me. God bless his holy name because I, 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 it's always for good. It, you know, that cutting isn't torture. It's cutting away the stuff that this isn't, Adam, really? Have you thought this all the way through? You don't really need this in your life, do you? What about your attitude? What about your, and I'm constantly performing surgery. Bring it. I need that. And like I say, I, I get cut as, mo- as often as cut, and I'm thinking even more. Piercing even to the dividing center of soul and spirit and the joints and marrows, the discern of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Let's, let's look at these backwards. The thoughts and the intents of the heart. I don't even know my own mind. You don't even know yourself, like, but the Word of God can show you. And it, it cuts way deep, deeper than anything natural, any... any Deeper than, I don't care how articulate I am or how bright or how uh, my illustrations are wonderful and they you know, cut to the quick. They don't. They can't. They're illustrations. The Word of God is, the, is, the, is what's going to do it or it's not going to happen. It will, it will cut between the joints and the marrow. That marrow, that's where the life is, right? You, you know, you, you need a marrow transplant. You better get one. Game over. You know, game, set, match. You're all done. Uh, the deepest, innermost parts is what we're looking at there. But here's the part I kind of wanted to outline. It, it can dis- divide between the soul and the spirit. Now, there's a big debate out there. I don't know if you know it or not. There's a dichotomy of humanity or trichotomy. Are we, are we triune or are we uh, just two? And, and people say, like, you know, they point to, like, you know, okay, Adam was there and God did some rescue breathing on him, breathed his nostrils, and Adam be- and became a living being. So breathe, pneuma, spirit, right? Ruach in the, in the Hebrew, but it means, like, in the, in the New Testament's pneuma, we know that, like, pneumatic, air, wind, breath, right? And also, it also means spirit. Well, it's the same in Hebrew, except the word is ruach. God breathed into his nostrils the breath, the ruach of life, and Adam became a living being. So there was material Adam and breath of God, boom, Adam's there. Just two. No. No, because the Bible uses the, the idea of soul and spirit, and sometimes it uses that interchangeably in some places. So it's a very confusing thing. But I'm just thinking if, if, if the way I use it is this, okay, uh, body, soul, and spirit. Uh, is your soul the uh, thing that lives on forever and ever? Is that your spirit? I would say both. And I would say when I'm talking about your, your soul, I'm talking about that which is soulish, your personality, your mind, your emotions, and your will. What makes you, you? And I think that lives beyond the grave, either in eternal bliss with God or eternal damnation separated from God. So I, I, that's, that's the way I look at it. You say you don't see, think soul and spirit are the same thing. No, the Word of God divides between those two things. How can they be the same thing if they're divided between by the Word of God? You see the, you see the, my, the way I'm going with that? And listen, I, I want to do this in a spiritual way. I don't do this in a soulish way. So what do you mean? <sighs> I don't want to appeal to your emotions all the time. I don't want this to be about emotionalism. You know, church is a, okay, traditional church, right? Three points in a poem. We, we laugh at Calvary Church. We always joke about that. Ah, three points in a... They're one of those three points in a poem, church. Is there anything wrong, inherently wrong, with three points in a poem? No. No. And we know that the three points are true because they all begin with the same letter. They all begin with the letter P, so we know they're true points. 
right? And then I bring on this poem, and I write uh, to underline what I'm saying, and I try to move you emotionally, try to maybe if I get a tear, whoo, yes, I got him a cry, yay. Is that a good thing? I, I don't think emotion is a bad thing. It's, it's part of who we are. You know, uh, Ken, my past, he's always like, oh, man, we don't have any emotions and anything. Yeah, we do. <laughs> I love Ken. He's my, he's my guy, right? Yeah, we have emotions. And by the way, they're the same ones our sisters have. Okay, they, we, don't, we don't have them to the same degree. Most guys I know, most guys I don't know, well, I don't say anything disparaging now. After <laughs> I said we don't have emotions like women. You, you know, yeah, very careful. You're right, you're right, right. Uh, but we have them. They're the same ones. Uh, I, I think my wife, she's ocean of emotion. She's not scattered. She's not like, you know, you know, I think she's a, a wise woman. You, you, you know that. I always speak good about her. She's very emotional. And I don't get emotional about the things she gets emotional about. But I get emotional too. Is emotion a good thing? Listen, Jesus said love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. I think there's a emotion there. I'm, I'm very emotional about God. He moved me to tears easy. The older I get, the more emotional I get. I think maybe because I'm closer to God. I, I don't know. I get emotional about things I never was emotional about before. I can cry at a wedding. <laughs> never did before. I don't know. I get, you know, all nostalgia and stuff. And I cry about a lot of things now. I don't know. I get more emotional. I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think you should set your compass by your emotions, men. I think we set our compass by the Word of God. But I'd say that about for women, too. So I think emotion is fine, but I'm not trying to move you emotionally. I think that's one of the problems, because I think people want that. But I'm very specifically, this is what the Word of God says, I want to feed your spirit. I don't, I, don't, I don't need you to cry, especially if you're a guy. I don't, I don't need that. If God moves you to, I've, I've, I've been teaching here, and I've even got myself crying sometimes. <laughs> it's ridiculous, and I hate it, but I'm ridiculous, but... But I, but I can get, I can get emotional, but I don't think emotional drives this. I think the word of God is sharp. It's powerful. It's what does it. Does God break our heart? Yeah, I think He does that. But I'm not trying to make you laugh. I'm trying to illustrate with these wonderful stories. You know, um, um, I can be funny. I really can. You, you say I've never seen that. You know, it's funny because it's always when I'm not trying to be. And people laugh, and I'm like, no, I was serious about that. And then I'm like, uh, I'm like uh, I say something, I think, like, this is going to get a chuckle, and nobody got it. It just went, Shh, and I think, like, oh, my goodness. And you're always laughing at the wrong time, but that's fine. That's fine. I can be funny, but I don't want to be. I mean, I mean, sometimes we're talking about things, and they're very tense, and I like to, you know, crack wise, just to kind of, like, lighten the mood a little bit. And I'll use a little rubber chicken, you know what I mean, to illustrate a point if it's helpful but I, want to, I don't want to do stand-up comedy. I don't want to move you emotionally. I want to tell you what the Word of God says. And, and the Word of God is the vitamin C, but it's also the magnesium and the zinc and those other. It's what you need to grow spiritually. And so that's kind of the whole thing. And it, it can discern what, between what is soulish and what is spirit. And soulish is, that's fine, but it's not going to, if you cry, I cried, it was the most wonderful. And then, that doesn't help. It won't take you where you need to be. So I'm specifically trying to focus on that which is spiritual. And the Word of God is, 
it can do all that stuff. Even when I can't, even, I can't make those exact cuts I need to make, but I don't even try. Let God do it through his word. Neither is there any creature, and by the way, avail yourself of it every day. Just, um, I, I, we're doing that, I know, know a lot of you are on that, because I'm reading the same scriptures you're reading, and you're commenting on them, and I love your comments too. We just were through Hebrews here very recently, right? I read them all. I don't always say like, 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 and I don't always comment. You know, one of the problems is I listen on the way to work, and by the time I get to work, I'm on to something else because my ride is longer than my Bible listening. And so now I'm on to uh, David Hawking or Chino Hills guy, Jack Hibbs, or something like that. And so by the time I get to work, I'm kind of not still in the comment section. But I should comment more often. But I love all your comments. I really do. So I know a lot of you are reading the scripture every day or at least listen to it every day. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Give God the opportunity to speak into our lives. Does he? Yeah. Do I need a, a new vision every day? Oh, yeah. Do I need life every day poured into me? Yeah. I don't want to let those things slip like, like anybody else. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes with whom we have to do. Let's talk about naked. Dramatic pause. See how it appeal to your emotion there? We don't like to be naked. We always are before God. All things are, hey, you wore clothes today. Good choice. I, I love clothes. Wear them all the time. It's good. We're always undressed before God. You know, I, I, re, I read about Adam, Eve's account, fig leaves, and the hiding from God. <laughs> you guys serious? Really? <laughs> fig leaves. That's clever. How cute are you guys? Oh, no, hide. He won't find you. <laughs> That's so We're laughable. We're, ex- we're exactly the same way. Because we, we sin like, you know, we're getting away with something. God won't see. That was the argument some of the people in Isaiah's day, I th- it was Isaiah or Jeremiah, I don't know, forgive me, I can't remember. Uh, oh, God doesn't see, God doesn't hear, and, God, and the prophet's saying, really? The guy who invented the eye doesn't see? The guy who invented the ear, he can't hear? Uh, you might want to rethink that. But we're the same way. But all things are naked and open before God. I, we say this, secrets... The secret sin on earth is open scandal in heaven. We ain't getting away with nothing. And I, I'm often thinking about that. Sometimes I'm not doing something that's very wrong at all, and I'm just still thinking about how would this, what's the perception? What's the, it keeps me on. Uh, knowing that I'm living in the face of God, Coram Deo, that's the, the Latin phrase. And, and I, I heard one guy preaching on it one time, and it stuck with me all these years. Live as if God is alive and he matters, and everything you're doing is right in his face, right, right in front of him. Why would I do that? Because it is. <laughs> and it makes all the difference. It helps. I mean, it helps a lot. Is, is God right now rejoicing in my activity? Is he approving of what I'm doing? Is he saying, ah, you go, son, you're doing a good... Hey, I'm on my computer at work, and I'm toiling away, writing a safety meeting that's going to be read next January. And, but this is my work. And I think God's saying, yeah. And I'm working hard, and I'm trying to do a good job, and I'm trying to, and I think that really pleases him. He has a lot to say about hard work in the scripture, doesn't he? And we're supposed to work like we're working for Jesus all the time. 
Am I, but I'm goofing off. I'm goofing off work. I'm playing uh, free cell on the computer all day, right? I, 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 I can't do that. I'm not saying I ever, never did ever play free cell at work. I'm just saying I don't do it all day long or anything like that because my work wouldn't get done and, it would, and that would be a bad thing. But so if I'm goofing off about anything and I'm thinking like, you know, is God on my case a little bit when I'm thinking about him? Is he like, come on, son, back to work? He's gentle. I've found him to be that way. He's not chiding. He's not over. But he, he don't let me get away with too much. How about you? And I want to live that way. I want to live that way. I want to live that, like, open. You know, why? Because it's all open anyway. We're not hiding anything. We think we're so clever. We're putting over on him, stuff like this. Listen, if you don't live in, like, in front of God like he matters and like he sees everything, what are you thinking about? What are you, are you really thinking? Like, you really pull that Adam stunt? You got fig leaves going on? That's so silly. Let's hide. He won't see us. Come on, Eve. All things are naked and open under the eyes of with whom we have to do. Now, does that... Is that... What about real naked? What about, like, intimacy and stuff like that? He invented that. He's not prude. Everything that we do it's in his view. Now, seeing then we have a great high priest. Now, this is what we were talking about just a little while ago in our, in our study. Got a lot of you guys posted about this in our U version. Seeing then we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Don't turn back. Don't turn back now. Why? We have this great high priest. One, he's a high priest. Two, he's great. Now, here's the problem. We don't study Leviticus. and We're a high priest. What do we care? Psh. I don't do priests at all. Never mind high priest. I think I would like the pointy hat. And then he like get like, they put his special clothes and they throw blood all over him on his toe, on his thumb, on his right ear. And then they put all oil over it. That would make my wife lose her mind, by the way. No, she sees when I get like, I think when I get a, a stain on me at work, she knows about it when she's home. We don't have to be in the same zip code, and she's still like, ah. It, it, if i potentially going to get a stain, she gets all, <laughs> she'll let me go out of the house. If I get like a, uh, like a little spot of, she'll let me go out of the house. I gotta change that, it looks, you know, and stuff, because it reflects on her, me. Do I care if I have a stain on me? No. <laughs> no, not even a little bit. Does she? Oh, yeah. But I, I, I'm okay with that, because she, does all the laundry and she doesn't want me looking like a slob. Okay, fair enough. What is, what is, he got all this blood on me, he got all this oil on me, he's got, so what do I care about the high priest? What is, that, what is that to me? Oh, if you understand, if you studied Leviticus, you'd understand. Jesus, the Son of God, he's that high priest to us. Let us hold fast our profession. Don't turn back. He's great. He's passed into the heavens with me. He's, a, he's ascended, okay? He's seated at the right hand of God. We have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help of time of need. Now he's going to go on and he's going to introduce the subject of high, high priest. We're going to talk about that. But what, what you understand about Jesus, a high priest, 
priest first, first and foremost. We don't have a high priest which cannot, that's a double negative, right? We don't, that cannot. It's, uh, it's an emphasis in Greek. We use it the same way in English, except it's not really good English. We don't never means we always, right? But in, in Greek, it acts like we want it to, it kind of doubles the intensity. We don't, we, can't, we don't have a high priest who can't be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. In other words, we have a high priest, he really understands our infirmities. What's that? How's that? Well, you remember back along, he was made a little lower than the angels. The one who invented the angels made a little lower than the angels. He came to earth. Is that important? Oh, it's very important. He understood temptation. He knows what it is to be tempted. I say, Lord, I need you now. I am about to give in to it in a bad way. I need you now. Does he show up? Yeah. Can he bring strength? Yeah. Can he be touched by the feelings of our infirmities? Yes. Yeah, in a very real way, very tangible way. Adam, I'm feeling you, he says. I know what you're going through. I was there. I get it. I'm here to help. What is, what is your experience with him? Psh, figure it out, dude. Hope it works out good for you. Don't you mess up now. Naughty, naughty. Right? He doesn't care. He can't help. Oh, he does care. He can help. Is that, is that helpful or no? In my life, again, that Coram Deo experience, I'm living in the face of God. Does, does Satan come into my life? Well, probably not Satan, but one of his henchmen. I have a private demon like you do, who's probably assigned to my case, who's studied me and realized all my tendencies, and he really knows how to push all the right buttons. And I want to live. I want to be a man of God. I want to serve the Lord. I don't want to be, you know, halfway and so I say, Lord, you've got to help me right here, right now. I'm about to take a misstep. I'm about to fall. I, I don't know. This might not be easy to recover from. Help me out right now. Hey, 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 I'm here. I'm here, Adam. I'm here. I'm right here. I, I understand. I understand what you're going through. Is it, is it a, look, let us come boldly under the throne of grace. Does God have a throne of justice? Answer Think now before you answer. Does God have a throne of justice? Mm. you get the gold star. Yes, he does. It's called the great white throne judgment. You, you got an appointment there? Not if you're saved. You got the throne of grace. And I love that. He's a God of justice. But to us, he's gracious. He can give us grace. Um, I know a lot of us define grace as like, okay, we messed up and God says, ah, don't worry about it, and he forgives us. There is that. There is that. Grace is much more than that. It's the strength to overcome sin. That's the part I'm very excited about. Oh, I love the fact, because I mess up all the time. And I don't want to give you the idea that I don't. And when I mess up, there's, uh, there's a mechanism for him to reestablish me, to forgive, to, you know, we, do, do I get readopted again? No, I don't. I, I don't believe that. Do I get born again again? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think what happens is like we clear the air, okay? Like, I, Lord, I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. That attitude was wrong. That action was wrong. That, I know that's not what you want me to be. I know that's what you don't like. Uh, I, I did something. That, and so own it. 
if we confess, homilageo, say the same thing about, Lord, you say that's sin, I say that's sin, that was wrong. Forgive me, will he? Oh, yeah. If we give us a sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness, isn't that gracious of him? It's called grace. It's wonderful. It's okay, mercy, grace. But sometimes I need grace. Lord, I don't want to fall. I, 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 I want to maintain in this situation. Is the grace there? Boldly approach the throne of grace. And you see if it's not. Because, Lord, help me out. Uh, uh, we boldly, boldly. I like that. I belong here. You walk into heaven bold as butter, just like you belong, because you do. And he wants you to. He expects it. He's not like, hey, you're out of order. Off with his head. What is he, like the queen of hearts and Alice? And, is it hearts and Alice? And whatever? Off with his head. Off with. He's not like that. He's not like that. You come in a strut, like I should be here. And he's like, yeah, you should. You need to be here throne of grace. I love that. I, I don't know about you. Listen, when Jesus comes back, he rules from the thing called, in my thinking, the seat of mercy. You say, seat of mercy, isn't that like the Ark of the Covenant? Isn't that like the, yeah, I think, yeah. Is that what he's, his visible throne is going to be? I think so. Why? We need it. <laughs> we need mercy. We need grace. And he's like, let's Therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. What's time of need? Well, define that for yourself. I've given you a couple of illustrations. Sometimes I need mercy. Sometimes I need grace. I always need grace. And very, very often I need mercy. But he's a high priest. He understands. Every high priest taken among men is ordained from men and things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices of sin. That's what they do. Who can have compassion on the ignorant. How do you like to be characterized as ignorant? And on them that are out of the way. For that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. You go to the, the priest, right? You're dragging some poor little lamb. What does he say? You're here for sin offering. What does he say? What have you done? You got to tell him the whole deal, and then he'll lecture you. What a, what a horrible human being you are. What happens in real life? You bring a lamb. What does he do? He inspects the lamb. He doesn't inspect the worshiper, the sacrificer. Why? It's a foregone conclusion he'll find sin. He'll find deformity. He'll find something wrong. We know that. He inspects the lamb, which is a picture of Jesus. That's why we don't bring a lamb. It's got to be without spot or blemish. And we're learning about that in Leviticus tonight. We, we, we bring the lamb. What, to this high priest? Who's like, yeah, I understand. I know, I know, I know. I get it. Because he, he's, he's, he understands because he's, he's the same things that we're guilty of, he's guilty of. Hey, listen, you know, you come to me, by the way, I'm not angry, vengeful. I, I find out something about you, and I'm not asking you to. Everything you've done wrong, I've got to know about it. Enumerate them, a list, alphabetize would be helpful. Right? And I'll lecture and tell you what a horrible person you are. You probably already know that you have sin in your life. You don't need me to enumerate them and shame you. 
You can find I'm very gracious. Why? Because whatever you've done, if I haven't done that, I've done something very similar. I'm not on anybody's case about anything. I, I I can afford to be graceful because God's been very gracious to me. Uh, you know the same thing. I, I don't have a, like a, a, a hate list. I don't have bitterness list. I don't have enemies list. I have people I'm really upset with. Why? God's forgiven me. What well, I ain't glory to hold anything against anybody. And this is like how it is with the priest. This is how it is with our high priest. He's not like us in infirmity. He's never sinned, but he gets it. He understands. He, know what it, he knows what it is to be human. He knows what it is to be tempted. You know, it says about God, he remembers our frame, that we're dust. Isn't that kind of helpful? It's helpful to me because, you know, here's the thing. Sometimes you do something that's really shameful. I know I did once. I think back in 73, maybe 74, Right? All the time, all the time. And the thing that we do, sometimes, uh, you know, there's a tendency for us to be separated from God in that event. Why? Because we have steal, kill, destroy guy, Satan, the accuser of the brethren. And he would say, ah, see what you've done. Hmm, 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 hmm. You think God likes you now? I bet he doesn't. I bet he's mad at you. Yeah, go to him for forgiveness. He'll laugh right in your face. You promised you wouldn't do this again. You've done it again. Now aren't you in a pickle? Is that, is that the Holy Spirit of God? No, the Holy Spirit of God does the same thing. He, he shows us in too, but he draws us close to the Lord. You need forgiveness. You need to be here. You need to be with me. You need me to wrap my arms around you, tell you it's going to be all right and give you strength to overcome. You need forgiveness. You need a new start. The Holy Spirit points out sin in our life. Satan points out our sin in our life. So they're allies, right? No. Satan would try to accuse you. The Holy Spirit would try to convict you. And the, what's the difference? The outcome. Whether we're reestablished with God or whether we're not. Well, this is Jesus Christ. This is, he's, he's ascended. He's on the right hand of God. He ever lives to make intercession for us. Do you, do you take advantage of that like all the time? Do you think that all the way through? He, he, it's not that he can't be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. This is what it's saying. This is so important to me. That high priest thing, that whole thing about that, him being high priest, to me, it, it comes down to just this. He's got funny clothes, blood-stained, oil. Oh, it means he understands who I am, what I'm all about, what, I, what I'm up against. He, it's not like he can get a free pass. Uh, it's okay, it's okay. I've sinned. Yeah, it's okay, don't do it again. You're fine. Mm-mm. Sin is awful. He paid the penalty for it. It was awful. The wages of sin is death. You, you're just so like crazy in love with somebody you can almost, it just uh, makes you uh, so crazy in love. You've been that? And then if something comes up in your relationship and now you're not quite, how anxious are you to re- restore that intimacy, that fellowship, that closeness. It hates me. I, it, I hate this that we're not close. I, I hate that there's something between us. What, I hate that. And I'm anxious to, to get that out of the way. Is there something I've done? I'm sorry. Let's, let's put it out of the way. Let's, I, I'll, I'll own it. I'll own it. I'm sorry. Let's, and I'm very anxious to clear the air. I'll multiply that by a gazillion. And there's our God. What's between us? Why aren't we 
So he gives us this high priest who, who, under, who he understands us. He gets it. He, he can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He's tempted like us. Oh, he's without sin, which is very helpful. And we come boldly to the throne of grace. Every high priest taken from among he's obtained for men in things pertaining to God. He may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. Jesus Christ did that. One sacrifice for sin forever. And many times in this book it will say exactly that. It was a one for all deal. Uh, you can argue with me, but there's a lot of verses I'm going to show you. And you're going to look silly. Okay, I'm going to tell you that right now. He, and he can have compassion on the ignorant, on them that are out of the way, for that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. That's the high priest, the human high priest. And by reason thereof, he ought, as for the people, so also himself to offer for sins. And no man taketh his honor himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made high priest, but he said, he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee, as he saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now we're going to introduce the subject here, but we're going to save this for next week, okay, because we're just talking about it. So we have this high priest who made a man, they ought to be standing in place between God and men, and they make atonement, they, make, they, they bring the two together, can we say it that way? By means of a sacrifice. Is that important? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we are kings and priests, or a kingdom of priests. Um, and what do we do is we take these warring factions, these, these ones who are apart from each other, and we bring them together. That's what a priest does. They, they, they take the sinner and they take, they take the two hands that were and rejoin them. Jesus is our high priest. He's a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Uh, you know enough Hebrew, Zedek means uh, righteousness, Melchi, king. You know, Abimelech, son of the king. Melech, king, he's the king of righteousness. It's a picture of Jesus Christ. We'll, we'll see more about that, like I say, next week. And he'll take this and further exploit it later on in uh, chapter 7. Uh, so we'll, we'll look at that next time. In the interim, what's the, what's the takeaway from today? Oh, this is easy peasy. Why should we be at odds with God? Why don't we run to his presence? Lord, forgive me. I've just been such a fool. I've been such a sinner. What are we going to meet there? Grace. Mercy. Forgiveness. Do you, you get it? You get it? Uh, the, the, the story of the, the prodigal, right? The one looking down the road, the father, is a picture of our God. I think if I said that about him, it would almost be blasphemous. Jesus says about him in a way that we understand, wow, he's incredible. Lord, I'm not, Father, I'm no worthy to be called your son. For I, you know, he got this canned speech, right? What's, what's dad? You little snot nose. I can't believe you come crawling back here, right? That's the story. That's how the parable goes, right? Oh, oh no. I don't want to hear it. Ring. Come on, you servants, let's go. Get it. Get a move on. Shoes for his feet. New robe. Celebration time. Is that a picture of salvation? I think so. Is it a picture of every time we come back to that, that same place, that, that place of mercy? Why would we have anything between? 
Okay, our worship team is going to come out and send us out of here in song. Let's stand, let's pray. Receive this, this blessing. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Lord, we thank you for this word. And, and I, for one, Lord, I, I want us to do, Lord, I want us to live in your, that Coram Deo presence, Lord, live in, just in your face. It's all, we're all, it's all open and naked before you anyway. Um, that we ought to think about you, that we ought to live, make all our choices like, and we even worship now like you're watching us, like you care, like you have a, a vested interest in the outcome of everything we do, because you do. And we're yours. We're bought with a price. We totally get that. And Lord, if there's anything between us and you, can you move in our hearts, Spirit of God, in such a way that, 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 that there wouldn't be? In Jesus' name, amen. It is our desire to get God's Word out to all, so our podcasts and everything else downloaded from our website is free. But we do have expenses, and if you feel led to give a dollar for this resource, please go ahead and click the Give tab on our website at plowboyministries.org. Grace and peace. And everything I want out dear I count it all